Hello, and welcome back to the Full Out Podcast. It's Sam, your host, and I'm so pumped that you are here for today's conversation. I am joined by financial advisor and founder of Nightingale Wealth Solutions, Ariel D'Angelo, and it is going to blow your mind with all of the tangible tools and tips around financial freedom and financial planning. So, you know, I love discussing wealth energetics and the frequency and the embodiment of money, but today we are going to get into the nitty gritty of women owning their fucking financial power. So let me tell you a little bit about Ariel. In 2020, she found herself with a broken neck, which ultimately led to a spinal fusion where she needed to relearn her routine daily activities. We didn't even get into her story in this podcast. We really focused on money, but this experience really led her to realizing the preciousness of life and put everything into perspective for her. So she is passionate about the importance of financial planning and the well-being of your family today and future generations. She's dedicated to being by her client's side through all the stages of life with prosperity and safeguarding her client's assets as the foundation of her practice. She empowers her clients to take full control of their finances and make decisions that reach their goals. Like how incredible, whether you are looking to grow a business, prepare for retirement or buy the vacation home of your dreams, you can trust and rest easy knowing that Ariel strives to make your vision a reality. A quick disclosure note, securities and advisory services offered through Packerland Brokerage Services Incorporated, an unaffiliated entity, member FINRA and SIPC. When she's not working with clients or working on her business, you'll find her reading, hiking, gardening, cooking, horseback riding. Yes, she still rides and having some love time with her fur babies. Y'all tune in, turn it on, get your notebooks out. This one is juicy. Enjoy. Ariel, I'm so happy you are here. Welcome to the Full Out Podcast. I can't wait to chat today. I know. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. I really want to start with, there's so many directions we could go, but I want to start with a conversation that you and I had when we first connected. And it was a statistic that you said around 60% of women holding the wealth. Can you, I'm totally butchering that statement. Can you tell me what you said to me about women holding wealth? Because I think that's a powerful place to start. Absolutely. One of my favorites. So we are about to be experiencing the great wealth transfer And that is where there is going to be trillions of dollars that are going to be passing down from one generation to the next. And when that starts to occur over the next 20 years, for the first time, women are going to actually be holding 60% of the wealth in the United States. That is fucking amazing. Yes, it is. So, okay, I'm like, hey, people predict this. Like, it's is this like a trend? How, How is that a thing? Like, I'm all for this. I'm definitely on the energetic side, the wealth consciousness side, but you're in the tangible, like on the ground financial advisor. You work with this stuff every single day. So can you tell me just a little bit more about how and why and how we know this is going to happen? Yeah. So this is um, one of the statistics that was put out in an article. Um, I can share that with you after our call. And why it's so important to look at is because this is something that if you look back, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that the suffrage movement was happening. Women didn't didn't even have the power to vote. And so now for the first time ever, we are going to be in more of the power seat 
as this continues to trend forward. And part of the reason, too, is that as time has gone on, while men handled so much of the finances in the household, that has somewhat shifted, as we've seen, um, to women actually running the house, the finances within the household. And so it just makes sense, too, for as then uh, money to change hands, that that goes on to women. And, you know, there is that slight difference that, you know, of there are you have somewhat slightly higher chances of having a, a girl than a boy. There are, there are more women. And then when you look at the divorce rates also higher. So of the people that are going to be passed, getting that money passed down to, more women are going to be single, potentially, get, get, that are going to be inheriting that wealth. And so it's 100% going to be in their control rather than potentially a woman inheriting money and then her husband having control over that. This is so fascinating. And it's so in alignment with what I do. Like my work is all about empowering women to own their truth, to take action on what they desire, to be the powerhouse that they know always deep down that they were meant to be. And one of the biggest places I think women feel intimidated is in finances. And I know from you know, ancestrally, culturally, DNA, we have been taught that it's it's the man's place to take care of the money, to be the steward of money. And a lot of my work has been in supporting women in becoming the energetic stewardess of their money. And you do the tangible work on this front. So what is it that you see in your clients? Like, what are the big roadblocks that you see to women not taking ownership of their money? So the biggest pitfall I see women falling into is that they have this uh, almost analysis paralysis that they, that happens where it's like they don't feel empowered to take action. They don't feel empowered to do anything until they know enough. We have this insatiable need to know. And while that's super powerful and it's so great, especially I think that as that comes out in other areas of our careers, I think as mothers, I think in relationships, like we are we are really seeking to seeking to understand and that is so powerful in so many ways. The problem with finances, and even this is you can look at it with most financial firms, and you can look at that within mine, is that there's so much to know that even the professionals in this industry, like we have to hire specialists in different areas in order to know and do everything. The certified financial planner designation, the CFP designation that so many people see, it has over 70 topics that are tested on. It is one of the most difficult professional exams, not because of the depth of information, but it's the breadth of information that needs to be covered to know. So that's why it's so hard, I think, for women to feel empowered and like they can make a choice and to take action because they're so caught up in, oh, well, I just need to research more. Oh, I just need to find this out more. I don't want to make the wrong mistake. Women are inherently more risk averse. We are more of the protector. We are more of the nurturer. Um, we are great savers. Women blow men out of the way when it comes to savings, but we do not blow men out of the water when it comes to investing. Ooh, you know what? This is fascinating. Just a little side note is I have actually been told this from some other people that I should shift my business into working with men because men will be the first people to invest because they see that there's value in investing and they're more willing to put their money into things that they know will grow them versus women. And I haven't had that actually backed up by anyone who works <laughs> in that world. So that's fascinating. Don't worry, women. I'm still supporting you. I love you. I love you. I love you. But this is absolutely fascinating. Absolutely yeah. fascinating. I'll yeah. tell you, I mean, from most financial perspectives, this is also why 
is within one year after, so 80% of women will die single, which means that 80% of men are dying married. So this is also a very important thing to look and think about. And I think also is part of why we can see that so much more wealth is going to be in women's hands because our husbands are dying. The average age a woman is widowed out is 59. So we are living so much longer. We're holding on to this wealth longer. That also means that we have to be more conservative because it needs to last us longer. We are going to be around so much longer. And that's definitely going to be something that comes into play. Mm. That is fascinating. And and this, I feel like it could go one of two ways. Like one, we could take this information in a super like morbid way of like, oh, fuck, I've got to like take care of my shit. I've got to hoard. I've got to do all these things where, where it starts to go into this like scarcity space versus this is incredible information. How do I take this and allow it to serve me and actually expand my experience of life, my my goals, my you know actions? So how can we start to take this information that can feel kind of scary, that can feel like scarcity in a lot of ways and really shift it into this abundance space? 100%. I mean, I think that it's about finding the right, you need to find a trusted partner. You need to find the right professionals that can help you guide you through what is your specific goals, what are your specific challenges, and what specific things are is life throwing at you. You need to work with a professional. And whether that's just getting started with something and if you only have a little bit, and maybe it's just if you're at and if you have a maybe you're just getting started in your career and you have a your company has a 401k, call up your company's 401k hotline. They have an advisor that is the advisor of record. And that advisor record is required by law to have a conversation with any one of these employees that would like to have a conversation. And they can have a conversation about how to invest your 401k. They can have a conversation, maybe if there's additional benefits that you're not aware your company offers, like a Roth 401k option, which is something that will grow tax ta- uh, will grow tax free for you as a tax advantaged account. And a lot of people don't know what it is, how to get started. These people are required to meet with you if you would like to. So take advantage of those free resources if you're just getting started. If you've kind of gotten to the point where, you know, you've you're on your way and in, in the we're in the middle of your life and you have a lot of things going on, just bite the bullet. Hire a professional. <laughs> it sounds like one of those crazy things, but it's like going to the doctor. Are you gonna go to your mechanic for medical advice? Hell no. I'm not it anyway. So go to the professional that is, that's their specialty and that is what they do. And it's something that you trust that you know is going to help you because, and yeah, if they're charging a fee, that's even better for you because if they're charging a planning fee. That means they're a fiduciary, which means they're legally obligated under the regulation BI or best interest to only be giving you advice that's in, it's in your best interest versus if you go to somebody who's a, hey, we'll do a financial plan for you for free and then this and that. They're just positioning a sale. They're just trying to get all full access to all your financial information. And then they're going to do what's called uh, needs-based selling or, you know, the selling where it's like, okay, well, I can see their budget. And I know they've got $600 a month. So now I'm going to find them a $600 a month insurance policy. Or now I'm going to recommend a $600 investment a month. They're just getting that um, so they can position a sale to you. So it's so important to find a fiduciary. Okay, my mind is blown because I have worked with people in the past that were like, oh, free financial planning. And then, yeah, it led to like, okay, here's this insurance thing that you need. Girl, you are blowing my mind on this tangible stuff. Okay, 
I am I am done podcast over like <laughs> just kidding just kidding that's huge I love both of those options the working with what you already have for free with the 401k option talking to that space if you have that in your job I love your push for hiring the support you need I mean that's what I say all the time I'm like wherever you need support if you want to lose weight get the PT if you if you want to you know get, I don't know, insert whatever thing is, build your business, get the business coach. If you want to feel sexy in your body, get the sensuality coach. If you want to build your wealth mindset and actually have stuff rocking and rolling in your portfolio, hire the person that's going to support you. It's true. And you know, it's funny because when people think about it, they're like, oh, it's a fee of X, Y, or Z. And it's like, okay, but if that person's doing their job right, they're making you or saving you that X times whatever fold of whatever their fee is. And they should be able to demonstrate that on an annual basis of what they've been able to save you or make you over that time. And so it's it's an investment into yourself, but it's also you think about it as an accountability thing. If you're paying a fee for, let's say, coaching or gym membership, like personal training, you're not going to pay $200 a session for personal training and not show up. So it's also a good way. It's like you're not going to pay five, $10,000, maybe $3,000, whatever it is for your, for your financial plan, and then not implement. <laughs> totally, totally. And a lot of people bury themselves. Like finance is the most unsexy, unfun thing for most people. <laughs> so it's not exactly you come home from a long day of work. You probably had to pick your kids up, walk your dog, make dinner, do this, do that, work out, all these things. And you just want to sit down, maybe have a bubble bath, a glass of wine, read a book, watch your show. You do not want to break out a budget or review your bank accounts or review your your bank statements at the end of the month. So having somebody that will essentially be doing a lot of this for you in a partnership and helping to keep you on track, like just get that off your plate. And my favorite are the the DIYers where it's like, oh, yeah, I do investing. I do all these things. And it's we've had so many come in and very skeptical, oftentimes actually more men than women. But they're like, yeah, I do my investments myself and this, that and the other thing. And we're able to sit down. We look at we go over everything. We're like, well, did you know that you could have been saving X amount on your taxes every year for the past five years? And just them knowing that. It blows their mind. We had uh, one woman, actually, she's a widow, and she, and this is also why, because most financial advisors and the men is taking the lead with the investing historically in a lot of these marriages that within one year of the spouse passing away, I think it's about 90% of women leave the financial advisor. That's because they didn't have a relationship with them. So it's so important and why, and it's critical that when we meet with couples, we ensure that we're meeting with both the, the husband and the wife and sometimes on a one-on-one basis and making sure like, are you comfortable? Is this a good fit? Because it is like kind of picking a therapist. You're getting financially naked in front of this person. Um, yeah. And I think that going, I'm just laughing over here. I think that that's a big thing that stops people too, is they're embarrassed. They're uncomfortable because I think a lot of the people that need the support are the ones that were never taught. Like there, I have some friends that grew up very wealthy and this wealth consciousness was just part of the conversation. Like they were always talking about investments and how and where they're spending their money. And 
and money was a normal topic of conversation. And then there's also a lot of people that I know where money was not talked about. It was shoved under the rug or they grew up super poor or they grew up without the lights on and and money became this very emotional thing and something that we tend to avoid. And I, I talk about like the thing that we keep putting aside that keeps building up more energy in us. It's like the bill that you have that you're like, I don't want to open this bill. So I'm going to put it on my kitchen table and I'm just going to leave it there. And every time I walk by, I'm thinking about it, but I'm afraid to open it. And so we're spending all of this energy being concerned and worried about what's in the envelope versus opening it up and dealing with what's inside there. And so I think that that's another thing that tends to stop people is this fear of like, I'm going to be exposed. I'm going to be naked. I'm going to get judged. I'm going to be told I'm a failure because my money's a piece of shit. Like, what do you say to those people that we know could use support in that way, but are just afraid there? If I always say to every client, if money were numbers on a spreadsheet, everybody would be fantastic with personal finance, but it's emotional. We have these stories. We have this culture around money. We have this these messages we grew up hearing. Money doesn't grow on trees. You can't take it with you. This net. We've had financial abuse that we've suffered from. And that is something poignant that I do not think at all gets spoken about enough is financial abuse with parents and financial abuse also within with spouses. I think it's something that's super important and does need to be talked about, but those carry a lot of emotional weight. Money is emotional. It taps into greed. It taps into fulfillment, success. We tie so many things of value and what our values are. So many of them in a way come back to money. So if you can't tackle those things or you're not ready to, I do really highly recommend talking to a financial therapist. There are therapists that specifically work just on money and money issues. There are also coaches um, that work on just finance, um, money coaches, and they work on like the energetic response to money and how we feel about it. And I'll be completely honest. um, You know, when I grew up, our home was foreclosed on. Um, We went from a 4,500 square foot house, um, beautiful, you know, state forest in the front yard, the backyard, the pool, and then through a horrible divorce. We then moved into a two-bedroom apartment um, on the edge of Route 9 that my dad lovingly called the chicken coop. And with my dad my and one of my other, my little brother, and then for a while, my other brother lived with us too. So it was just a big shift. And we had sleepovers in the living room when, you know, we ran out of heat. And it was definitely a different, I got to kind of see this dichotomy of these, of how my early childhood years were versus Um, those middle school, high school years, it was just drastically different. So I think for me personally, like I had a lot of those things come up and then living with my husband and we both worked really hard, we saved and then we started building this house. And wouldn't you know, the first word that I started describing our new house, everyone's like, oh, how is it? This and that. What do you think, Ariel? And I was like, oh, it's so embarrassing. And this beautiful home that we've worked so hard to, to build and to bring to fruition, literally the first word, and I had this like this like thing crawling up my throat, just like, oh, it's so embarrassing. It's so big. Everybody's going everybody's gonna to think of me about me differently. And from living in the, the little cape that we were living in before, and um, you know, that's something I had to address. It's, and I'm a financial advisor. I majored in finance. I worked in corporate finance. Finance is my life, and I have it too. It's systemic. Every single man, woman, and child is going to have 
a, a relationship with money that they need to spend some time unwinding. Oh, that's so powerful. I had an actually really similar experience to grew up in like the mansion, the back in the like late 80s, early 90s, like we had a computer sound alarm system in our house, like way before that was even a thing. Like there were some wild things that I was like, we had what? And then I, we went through a big divorce and moved into a two bedroom apartment and and had a lot of the similar experiences. And it is really fascinating. And, and one of those interesting moments for me was when I was driving my like used car back in the day and I would like be around like luxury cars. I'm like, no, wait, but I like that's where I'm supposed to be. And like, I'm not in this like little beat up old car. And then when I I started elevating myself and I got my Mercedes, I was like, oh, my God, like this. Now I'm becoming the woman I know that I was meant to be. And it was this like symbol for me that just made me be like, yeah, I'm in alignment. But what was interesting is that when I would then be like driving in a different neighborhood, I'd be like, no, but don't think of me that way. Like, I'm still cool. I'm still my down to earth self. And so we have this. I personally had this really confusing juxtaposition in my body that was like, no, I can like kick it and I'm real and I come from nothing and I, you know, got all these things. But also my soul loves luxury. My soul loves to feel good and to have the things and to feel this like richness that I know I'm meant to have. And so I had to really love these different parts of me and move through that stuff as well. And and I see it for so many women. It's like we work really hard to get to a certain level to have the things we desire, to have the house or to have, right now I'm in this beautiful apartment overlooking the beach and it's like my favorite place I think I've ever lived. And at the same time, it's like, can I accept this and can I allow it to be what it is without feeling like, quote unquote, too much? And I think that that's the that's the work that I get into is the like the too muchness and really letting go of that and owning your desires. And again, all of this stuff is wrapped up into how we take care of our money, how we love our money, how we look at it or don't look at it. And um, and it's so multi-layered. It's so multi-layered. And then add in a partner, add in a partner, like add in a whole nother human being with their own set of programming, their own set of experiences. And yeah, it's fascinating to me. Oh, and then also add in children that you need to both teach how to do this correctly and how to raise without all these crazy money things that you think that you had and you don't and you want to carry them forward with this level of integrity. It's so challenging and you can't escape it. It's about acceptance of the fact that you are just going to be somebody who has money issues and you are no different than the other 330 million Americans that also have their issues with money. I think that everyone has money issues. Like, does everyone have money issues? Every single person has money issues. Like, and maybe they're minor. Maybe some are, are more minor than some are others. But that's like saying that no one has trauma. Like, I'm sure everyone has trauma. <laughs> Everybody has had a bad, rea- a, a good experience with food. Everyone has had a bad experience with food. It's because something food is something that we encounter in every single day of our lives. And you have a relationship with food. It's the same way with money. We have money is something we deal with every single day. It's a set, it, it ties into our sense of security. It's almost something that can go beyond your your conscious brain and really almost tap into that lizard brain. Because while when we were in the caveman times, you know, it's about shelter and food and partnership and companionship. Whereas as we, in our day and age, like it is money, like money is security for us. That is how we get by. People don't know how to hunt fish farm and you can't trust, you can't go anywhere without trespassing on someone's land. So that truly is our sense of security. So 
it take it almost t- taps into that like animal brain that we have going on too. Yeah. Oh, I I mean I love it. I I love it. I geek out on it because I think it's so fascinating and you know, I fully believe that money is a frequency and an energy and once we can tap into that space where we're actually taking all of the density, all of those like negative past experiences and we can actually dissolve them out of our space then we have more room for that energy to come in. So I think that the mindset and the frequency part is so, so important. And also, if we come back to some more of these tangible tips, I have some clients that are like, I hate budgets. Like, I hate budgets. I feel like I'm handcuffed to the budget. I feel restricted. Like, you know, there's an interesting, I know that you've done a lot of like personal development work too. And and there's an interesting thing of like, living as if you already have it. Like, I'm going to live like I am the millionaire. I'm going to live like I have, you know, this business that I've already created. I'm going to take the actions based on the fact that I am like a wealthy, abundant creator. And I get to be really grounded in this is where I actually am in life. And so for me, I always look at it as a state of being rather as a state of doing. So can I be that version of myself without maybe doing all of the like spending and stuff that I would at that point? but really being in the the focus, the commitment, the responsibility. So I'm starting to become that version of me now. But for my girls that like don't love a budget, they want to feel abundant. What do you tell that? What do you tell that woman? So almost every single one of my clients, and first of all, just before I answer that too, I'm going to say that if you are somebody who is also having that kind of the back and forth with money or even you're getting to the point where maybe you're even like you're making you started making a lot of money and then for women that grew up women and men across the board if you, if all of a sudden your circumstances changed a lot and you're going from driving the beater mine was a 1994 Ford Red Ranger pickup truck that sometimes the brakes didn't work and you had to drive it with the emergency brake but when you're going from that to whatever your upgrade is <laughs> that can also be very hard for your brain because it's almost like you're moving your 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 level of homeostasis is changing and what you're used to is now a, a different well, you're, you're migrating to a different normal and that can be really hard for you mentally and so that's also why so many times if if especially if it's happening quickly in your life um people will self-sabotage to bring themselves back down to that level so a book that i really recommend honestly everybody should read but especially if you find yourself self-sabotaging, having some yo-yoing going on with your money, things like that, having a hard time, read The Big Leap. And it's by, of course, I'm going to do this right now, but <laughs> it's by him. Um, his last name is Gay. Um, and he was a psychologist as well. So really recommend that um, book. But if you don't like a budget, this is probably why. And it's that people misunderstand what a budget is and, and what tool it's used for. So a budget is a diagnostic tool. A budget is a diagnostic tool, just like when they're going to check your, use a stethoscope, check your heart. They're going to use a blood pressure cup on your on your arm. They're going to just see, is your heart rate fast or slow? Are you breathing normally? Is there a blockage? And do you have a high blood pressure, low blood pressure? After that, then they're going to say, okay, here's then what we need to do in order to get you back down to these levels. So when you're doing looking at a budget, it should just be, this is how much I'm spending in these different areas. And when you actually sit down and you look at your bank statements historically, and you can take averages over the years even better because Christmas goes crazy, your birthday, maybe month is a bit much, traveling, whatever the case is. Maybe you get kids home for the summer, so you're doing a lot more activities. 
if you can take averages for every month for a one-year period and saying this is how much we spent on groceries, this is how much we spent on Amazon, this is how much we spent on rent, mortgage, utilities, landscaping, the nanny, the au pair, XYZ, clothing, cosmetics, the whole nine, tobacco, like liquor, all these other things, edibles, people, things that they're always shocked when I send them the budget and they're like, there's a category for extracurriculars. I'm like, yeah, tobacco, cigarettes, w- wine, um, you know, tequila, whatever your thing is. I know that you're buying it. So just put it on the budget. <laughs> edibles the whole night. So when you actually look at a 12-month period and you say, wow, okay, this is how much I spent on these categories. Now you can make some choices. It's just a tool to say, okay, this is what's going on. Now, do I need to exercise more? Do I need to diet? Do maybe I need to eat more and do this or that? And so I think it's just uh, people think that, oh, I'm in a budget. I can only do this, that. They look at it as restrictive. And so that's why I love using an envelope methodology. So there are some great some great tips and, and kind of banking. And I'll kind of just give you the broad, the breath, fine breaststroke. This is then tailored to each person's individual needs. And again, this is not financial advice, asterisk, asterisk. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a CPA. And for financial advice, please seek out a financial advisor. But what we like to see is take all of those reoccurring monthly expenses you know you have and just have those all dis- deposit into one account. Then you can have another account that can be for that planned savings. So that's going to be for uh, retirement accounts, insurance premiums. And maybe it's for some trust. Maybe it's for a business expense. Anything you have that's on an annual basis, you know, you have. Don't be surprised by those at the end of the year, the car insurance that you have paid once a year. Get those into another account. Set those up in a different bank account that you're making that regular distribution to from your paycheck. Then you can have another one that's going to be set up for your those those goals that you have. So the vacation fund, the college planning fund, X, Y, and Z. Depending on how far out those goals are, it might make sense to put those into a formal investment program, or it might make sense just to put them in a high-yield savings account. And if you want to know where to find the best high-yield savings account, go on to bankrate.com and pop in high-yield savings, put in your amount, your zip code, it'll tell you what the best-rated high-yield savings account is in your area. And then you can uh, oftentimes just apply, right? Uh, click a link. They'll have the links usually on there. You can just click and apply. And it'll also, it's a third party where they're going to tell you, hey, here's, the, it'll literally say pros and cons of each bank. And it'll give you a rating. It'll also show you if it's FDIC insured. Have then your planned savings linked to something that's a high interest bearing and or invested, even if it's invested just in something like a CD or some treasuries, um, if it's a more short term, but you still want to get some action on it. And then have this kind of capital account, something that's, um, hey, I don't exactly maybe know what this is for yet, but I have a little bit of surplus. It's that extra spending. And then you just have discretionary. And discretionary is just going to be a blank set amount. It should not change. It should be the same every month. And that's for going out to eat, nails, tra- uh, you know, getting your eyebrows done, picking up a bottle of wine, getting your friend a birthday gift, going out to dinner, all the fun stuff you want to do, uh, whatever you your heart desires on that front. And then you don't have to think about what you're spending it on because you've already, quote unquote, you've already got all the other bills. You've already taken care of everything already for yourself. So everything that's left over and you're in that checking account. And if you use a credit card, you just say, okay, my limit for the month is $492.08. You can still put that on your credit card if you want. Just ensure that you don't go over. I was writing so many notes during that. That's so great. That's so great. It reminds me a little bit of, oh, I'm going to, what's his name? Mike Michalowicz has this book, um, Profit First. 
I have one of my teachers works really closely with him and um, he looks at it all through the lens of your business and how you look at business finances and you're shaking your head. Yes. So I'm assuming you know this and heard, heard of it, but it reminds me of some of his work and what he talks about from the business lens of how to take in your money and where to put it so that you have everything covered and you're taken care of. Um, and you actually learn how to make profit, which is so fun and so cool. The rich pay themselves first and spend what's left over and the poor spend first and save what's left over. And as a financial advisor who's worked with everybody from making $100,000 a year to hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, <laughs> I'm talking, you know, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars a year. If it is not intentionally saved, I don't care how much money you're making, they spend it. <laughs> so, wow. And this is what kills me too. And I, I, the biggest and one of the hardest things that I face working with clients um, that are coming to us is we have to tell almost every single one of them, you're living beyond your means. It is such a systemic issue that is happening in this country. And it does not matter the demographic. It is across the board in so many ways. And they're always surprised once we show them with our software and we go through and we take them and say, if you keep doing what you're doing now, this is where you'll be when you need to retire. If you change and take what our recommendations are, we then show them what that looks like. This is where you'll be. It is a, It can be a hard pill to swallow because it's somebody who the you know the lifestyle creep is just set in already and and trying to put the it's my dad always said it's much easier to keep an A than to go to than to make up to an A go from a C to a B to an A it's mm. so much harder. it's so much easier yeah. to stay in shape than to get in shape that is so true that is so 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 true yeah I mean I remember meeting the first time I met with a financial planner was when I was married I'm divorced now but when I was married and we were like in a not good place like we had a credit card debt we had all these things and it was like how do we save for retirement how do we get ahead where do we pay off like what do we do it was it was a really tough 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 position to be in and I will say that once I once I got divorced and I was like really in ownership of my money and where I got to go I I got a financial planner and went a certain way and and it felt so much more empowering for me to be like, yeah, like this is where I am. This is how much is going towards retirement every single month, even though I was just like in my early 30s. This is how much is going to this thing because I want to buy a house one day and my future wedding and my future this. And and really is empowering. But again, I think people get so scared and so stuck that they don't take the leap into doing any action. But I want to come back to this thought of like most people are are spending beyond their means because that's that was me for sure um at that time in my life and what are what are some quick and I'm not going to say quick but what are some tools and tips that you could share with people that right now like I know that you said that and someone listening had the gut punch of like fuck Ariel's right like she's right I am spending beyond my means what can I do right now in this moment like beyond getting the financial planner Beyond calling my 401k and seeing what I can do here to get some some advice, what can I do right now? I'm gonna actually I'll even steal some of the some of the chips and tricks from right from Micah Michalowicz's book, uh, Profit First. I love it. It's a fantastic book. And I also, any business owner, do yourself a favor, grab it, um, grab a copy. It's so fantastic. The one more day. So he tells this great story in the book where he's visiting a client and, and they are driving by Home Depot and he goes, oh, I need to get some electrical supplies. He goes, oh, it's fine. We can pull in right now. And he goes, uh, I'll get it tomorrow. 
And then the next day comes by, they drove by Home Depot again. He's like, do I need to stop? He goes, oh, I'll get it tomorrow. And what happens is if you can just keep pushing off and delaying those things that you think you need, see how far you can go before you actually need it. I love that. Because there's a solid chance. And and this is another thing I'll take back. One of my favorites, I have five nieces and nephews. And so I've got to see this beautiful experience, especially being a significantly younger sibling of boots on the ground, nanny on deck, what this looks like. And it's so funny because I, I got to w- witness all these crazy baby showers. And then guess what? Babies don't need anything. <laughs> they don't need anything. Like they need the the fewest things. It's really is so much more for the parents and, and this and that. But And of course, for us aunties that get to buy the cute onesies and and things like that. But you don't need much. Like, what do you actually need in life? And I think that honestly, going through the experience that I did growing up where we just we did have so little, you really do not need a lot in life. And so much of it is like, why are you buying this thing? And if you can take this a moment to stop about stop purchasing something and genuinely ask yourself why or do the I just need to run in for one quick thing rule. Walk out with one thing. Tell me how freaking hard that is to walk through a store when you just need to run in for cornstarch or green beans or a t-shirt or whatever the one thing is that you needed and tell me you're not walking out with five other things in your hand. I want you to look down at your cart. I want you to take everything the hell out and I want you to just get that one thing. It's hard. And if you can start to practice it and then I also want you to think about don't buy anything off Instagram. (laughs) Stop buying things online. Stop buying things on your phone. Everything that, um, and if you really want to start being more diligent, take out cash for my really bad spenders. And I'm talking bad spenders. I'm looking at their budget. I'm like, wow, like that's insane to me. I don't even know how you spend that much on fun every month. Like, well, do you work? Like, what's happening? And I'll, I'll, I will go through their entire budget. I will say these are your core expenses. Those, can, those all can be moved to auto pay and set up in that one account. All of your discretionary spending, I want you to go to the ATM. I want you to take out the, you know, 5,000, 3,700, you know, 12 grand. I want you to take it out in cash. And I don't care if it's 12 grand. Take it out in cash and then put it in your safe in your house. And then I need you to give yourself however much money you're going to use the rest of the month. Pay in cash. And the quickest win that I had one client tell me about who goes, oh, well, I always pay for everybody. And then on my credit card, so I can get the points, and then they Venmo me. And I was like, I bet you're getting fucked by your friends, and you don't know it. And you're always the guy, so I bet that's happening. And wouldn't you know, this couple comes back to me the month later, and I was like, tell me how it went. And by the way, I never expect them to get through the whole month with that. I just, and that's not even how I phrase it. I say, tell me how many days you last. How many days of the month do you last with cash because I know it's not 30 because <laughs> I know that there's bleeding going on elsewhere if that's what you're even admitting to on your budget. So it's pretty funny to watch that play out too of, oh, it's day 17. Is it day 27? Like what what day are we running out of money? So ca- cash is harder to spend. And that's also why, why do you think all these companies are moving to tapping your iPhone or just um, clicking this or, oh, you know how many links you can you can just automatically finance so many online payments through some, I forget the name, the app now, it's off my head, it's escaping me, but it's so easy. You can just click a button, it automatically finances something for you. I'm sorry, but if you need to finance a $200, whatever the hell you're buying on Instagram, gym thing for your house or whatever, do not buy it. If you can't buy 10, don't buy one. So take out cash for a discretionary 
And the best was that when this couple came back to me and said, it was very awkward when we went out to dinner because we just put down cash and everyone looked at us. And they were expecting them to do that. And I was like, and these are the people that's Venmoing you how much they owe, please. I was like, I don't think so. If they're all flabbergasted and all of a sudden the alligator arms are coming out because you threw down cash for you and your wife and that's all you need to do and everybody else is flabbergasted, I think they're taking for a bit of a ride. <laughs> wow. Did, okay, so did they last the whole month? Like now I want to know. Did they last no, the month? No, they did I've not <laughs> had a fun couple yet last the whole month. <laughs> that is so there were so many things in there that were so good. I when you were talking about the one thing, like I used to joke about Target where it's like the place that you're like, oh, I'm just going to go in for the one thing and you walk out with $200 worth of stuff that you don't actually need. I've stopped going to Target because I know that's what I do there. And like, yeah, I'm just not available for it. Um, the other thing that I love now, I know you're paying a fee for Instacart, but it keeps me from buying the extra stuff that I would impulsively buy while I was at the grocery store. I guess you could also just make a list and literally only buy what's on your list. But but those two were like the big mama things. And then as you were saying that, I was thinking about just how easy it's become to get whatever the fuck it is that you want on Amazon. Like you have a thought for like, oh, I need to get blah, 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 blah. And like you don't even think twice about it. And you just pop on your phone and you hit order. And it's like we don't even we're not even conscious to it. And I think this is what brings the work back to the work that I do, which is like is the mindfulness of can we pause can we breathe? Can we really feel into, is this something that I I truly desire and need in this moment? Is this going to expand me? Or am I buying this from lack or from scarcity or from like me needing to keep up with the Joneses or for me coming from a space that's not actually serving my highest? And my highest might be prioritizing my money so that I can have the car, the vacation, the house, the insert whatever financial goal you have, or just really for me, it's like peace and freedom and ease. That's really where I see the extra money being. And I think that that is a big, 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 big area of growth for so many people is is the Amazons, the online buying, the the ease at which like these companies have made it for us. Tell me the last three things you bought on Amazon. And oh, 99% of you listening cannot name them because it's already out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. You're just getting, it is a dopamine hit. It is an addiction. It is something that needs to be addressed. It is a form of stress relief. It is a chemical reaction that you're getting out of this and it does need to be addressed. And our, it's very unfortunate. And I was actually talking to this morning, I was having a chat with Ron Zaharian, who's actually Michael McCallitz's partner, and we were having a conversation and we we're talking about there is a very strong lack of financial responsibility in our economy right now and in our government. And that's a whole other thing to unpack. But if you look at, for instance, the state of Connecticut, the state of Connecticut, I believe it's bar- has borrowed from their teacher's pension for the last 19 years in order to get their balance sheet to equal out. There you need to read Profit First. <laughs> Holy shit. You know, like my mouth is open. Yeah. So it is a really, it's not just individuals on the personal level. It's businesses. 83% of, according to the Small Business Bureau, 83% of entrepreneurs are living paycheck to paycheck. And there's this huge thing going on with this. So it is, it's bigger than that. And 
We need to start learning healthier habits. And we also need to be awake to the fact that you are being sold to every single minute of every single day. And it is just about profit. It is not about, there isn't a level of financial responsibility that's being had. And honestly, like look around your house, how much of it's junk? How much, when's the last time you used half that stuff? It's just, it. we're in just such a commerce consumer environment. And I think the best medicine for that, <laughs> go to the woods, people. Go to the woods, take a hike, go out, just go by yourself, go have a, what is it, a forest bath, like go out into nature, connect back to that, bring a book, bring a blanket, lay down on the beach and just spend your evening reading instead of shopping. Take a set of paints out with you and just doing some of these things that are just really connecting you back. Garden, like gardening is honest to God. I think that every single person should have at least a little kitchen garden, at least a couple of herbs or something. And then connecting just with back to what's important, animals, working with animals, doing whether you're doing agility with your dog or horseback riding or anything like that. It's so, it, it really does restore a lot of that. And you will get so much of that dopamine dopamine hit out of being with nature and engaging that way and trying to do some breath work, exercise, go for a run, go for a bike ride, you know, swim, just be more present. Just like you were saying, mindfulness, like that's so important. Why are you shopping right now? It's, <laughs> that's like the slap your wrist. <laughs> and, well, the and crazy thing is, like, oh, sorry, something else. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, I don't even think people realize that they're shopping. Like I, I, even in this moment for me, I'm like, when I'm like scrolling on Instagram, even though I am, I feel like I'm in a state where I'm like very aware and I do this work, but I don't, it doesn't even feel like shopping. That's the crazy thing because it was like, yeah, when we grew up, we would go to the mall and that's where you would shop. And that was like, oh, that's what we're doing. But as you're mindlessly scrolling on Instagram and you get that ad and then you click on, you're like, oh, these boots would look really cool with this out. Like, I don't even, like, my brain doesn't even feel like that's shopping. And I think that that is like the wildest shift from when I was a kid to now is that it has just it's shifted so much that when you're saying stop shopping, I'm like, oh, I don't even feel like I'm shopping. I'm clicking buttons. And so, again, that like mindfulness to pause that. And and I'm so glad you put exercise in there um, with things that we can do to get the dopamine hit. Um, I was listening to I was it like a Huberman Lab or, or some other podcast and they were talking about uh, achieving goals. And it was we think that achieving the big goal is where we're going to get the big dopamine hit, but it's actually in hitting each little step along the way. And this is one of the reasons why I love workouts. And, you know, I was a trainer for a zillion years, but every time we pick up the dumbbell or every time we finish a set or every time we finish a spin class, that is that dopamine hit that's getting us closer to the goal of being fit or being healthy or being strong or losing five pounds or whatever it is. And so not only is that giving us the dopamine hit, but it's actually improving the energy in our body. And again, if we are frequency and money is energy, when we are moving our body, we're clearing density and we're actually supporting our ability and our capacity to hold money and attract money. So not only is it keeping you from spending on stupid shit on, on Amazon and Instagram, but it's also going to build your physical vessel to call in the energy of money. And it's so important to tie that also back. Like your health is your wealth. If you are not healthy, 
Would you rather spend your money on traveling and, and having new experiences um, and being with your family and doing this and that? Or would you rather spend it on treatment? Being healthy is so important. So why is it then when it comes time that you need to tighten the belts on your wallet, why is your gym membership the first thing you're canceling? Why isn't the first thing you're deleting is Amazon app off your phone? Why isn't the first thing you're doing is, uh, you know, cutting, going out to eat and this and that? But no, it's the gym memberships. It's the massage therapist. It's the all these things that are so important to our our, our mindset and our and our health and and what's driving that. And then not only that, but then you also have the whole aspect of it's like you're going out, you're getting this dopamine hit from shopping instead of a run. And then you're coming home and wouldn't you know how much how much uh, spousal like infidelity is going on with the financial aspect? Like how many of you are running into the house and hiding the pe- the shoebox because you don't want to hear it from your spouse? And I think this also comes to like why it's so important, especially if you're married or in a relationship, you need to have these conversations about money because we are we do cover different narratives around money. And if we're not addressing it, one person's like, I don't, I don't, this is not, a, your values aren't aligned. And if your values aren't aligned, then practice is going to be aligned. And then it throws the whole thing off. And that's why the number one, you know, floats back and forth between infidelity. But honestly, I see more people come back from having infidelity than they do from, hey, we're X millions of dollars in debt, or I lost everything we had. Financial infidelity is hard to come back from. Wow. And we didn't even get into that. I'm keeping an eye on the time because I know we've got to like wrap up soon. But I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a whole other thing there where I maybe really fast, like in 30 seconds, can you give us some questions or some things that partners can can have conversation on about their money and how they're spending it? Are there like the top two or three questions that every relationship should have around money? I think it should come down to what are your values and what are your kind of percentages? Like, what is the amount of money in the bank that you need to feel okay? Because that number is different for people. I need to know that I have, even if it's not sound financial advice, I need to have $100,000 in cash in the bank at all times. And then their spouse might not feel that way. So then there's a misalignment because they're like, well, we're, we're over. And so it's just understanding where your partner's financial boundaries are. Yeah. And then also, if you have a hard time with money, if you're a spender, look for support from your spouse. If you're instead of hiding it or trying to cope with it on your by yourself, like that is okay. That is like as if you just have a hard time, maybe with eating. Like maybe you just have a really hard time eating healthy. You're like, this sucks. I hate vegetables and I just want pasta every single night. And your spouse says, it's okay. We'll cook dinner together. Look to your spouse for support. Have open communication because the second you start hiding and lying, that snowball explodes. And that is one of the biggest reasons that marriages fall apart. Ariel, we didn't even get into your personal story. You have the most <laughs> incredible personal story. And we've been on here for almost the allotted time. So I'm like, maybe we need to have you come back and we can go around to you and also get into your personal story because it's so inspirational and incredible. So I want to just say that real fast. Like we didn't get there and I really want to. And I feel like there's going to be so much conversation and so many downloads and insights from everything that you shared today. So We might need to have you back for a part two, but I just want to acknowledge you and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, my experience with financial planners are no offense, but like old 
fat white guys and to have like a beautiful young woman who's like here's the information you need here's what we can do about it like it's just it's so empowering to see a woman in this world and I imagine there's not a lot of women in your world so I want to acknowledge you for who you be what you're doing and thank you so 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 much for your time today where can people find you if they want to connect with you get in touch with you social media or website yeah so we are on Instagram and Facebook Nightingale Wealth Solutions and you can also go to nwsadvisors.com. And that's if you wanted to get in touch with us, you can fill the form. It shoots us an email. You can also um, register for some events. We have one event coming up at Babson College in uh, November 1st through the 3rd. And that is for business owners that are looking to get out of having their job and start owning a company. So unleashing your CEO. Um, and that's from, like I said, three days at Babson College. It's going to be absolutely insane. We have very limited seats available. So if you're thinking about it, grab them now. And we also have a retreat coming up in January for divorced and widowed women um, that are about a year out from their life-changing event that are looking for, hey, paving the new path forward. And that's on some change management as well as your financial future. So you can find our events on there, the other ones we have coming up. And you can also book a consultation if you'd like to learn more about our practice. So amazing. So incredible. If you could leave the listener with one final word, one final thought, what would you tell them? That's a big one. <laughs> no uh, pressure. <laughs> I think that it's, you're really not alone. I can't even tell you how many people feel alone, embarrassed, scared. And I think we really, there's a lot of shame tied in with finances at times. And that also goes for people that make a lot of money. Sometimes they're embarrassed at how much money they make. So it's, it's not about how much you have. It's just about your mentality. And you're not alone. This Your story will not be the first like yours that we've heard. Um, we are here to support you. We're here to help you. And I think that just knowing that is really important, that there's resources here and everywhere across this whole country to help you. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. My friends, if you love this episode, take a screenshot, share it with your friends on Instagram, send it to a friend. We need more women understanding their money, owning their money, and let's raise the vibration of the planet with our money. Have the best day. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Sam. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me. If today's podcast inspired you in any way, we would love your support in spreading the word. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and let the other queens in your life know that they are also worthy of living life full out. If you want to continue the conversation, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook at Samantha Joe Harvey. Have a fabulous day, and I'll see you next time.